Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. We're here with the UAE Tour Stage 3 recap, the first World Tour mountaintop finish for the season. We're brought to you by our show partner, LaCole. They produce performance cycling apparel. They've got some new ranges, new product lines that they've brought out as well. There's a Strava club with hundreds of thousands of people in it. Regularly has some pretty steep discounts attached to that if you do enough Ks whilst you're a member of the club, I understand. If you want to check them out, they're at www.lacole.cc. If you want to check out any of that and the kit they have through the link, in the description but onto the uae tour stage three the profile benji was like Charlie renard stage the other day actually the mon two stage it's from alain to jebel hafid jebel hafid has featured a number of times now world tour races uh and it's pancake flat 166k total but then it's yeah flat for the first well 156Ks of that and then they do jebel hafid 10.6Ks at 7% average gradient First two Ks are an average of two, uh, 7%. Then the third K is not so bad. Then the fourth K is 10%. That's the steepest part of the climb. And there's eight, eight and a half, eight, eight and a half. And then the third to last K, only 4%. S- second to last K, only 5.5%. And then the last 600 meters is average of flat. It's basically flat and then there's a little <laughs> kick up to the finish. Um, so it's a climb that, that the damage has to be done early. If you want to make big time gaps going into the stage, uh, Pagacu is leading the general classification. I think, oh, how many seconds was he? Five seconds ahead of Juan Almeida, 18 seconds ahead of Cataneo, and 33 ahead of Harper. And the, the big man for today, Adam Yates, who won this race overall last year and did well on her feet, he was 39 seconds behind Pagacu. So he had to do something today on this, the steeper of the two mountaintop finishes to make a difference. But how did the the, uh, the stage sh- start and shape up, Benji? Was there any crosswind action or, or could there have been? Well, the wind was just not strong enough today. We saw that some teams tried to pull it off during the stage. I think it was Boran and uh, Bahrain at a certain point tried pulling the front of the peloton, but nothing major popped up. We had two riders in the breakaway, as expected on these kind of stages. There's not a lot of people that are desiring to be in the breakaway for a whole long day, having a peloton control the pace because that's kind of destined to happen on this kind of terrain with such a flat section before the climbing even starts at the end. And those two riders were Galopin and Thomas Dijen, so a pretty good duo for the breakaway, but it's just not really destined for the breakaway today. Now, all in all, that did kind of stay at a decent gap, four minutes certainly, uh, three minutes and a half, something around there. Peloton was in control and... They basically just sped up towards the end of the stage because there was a certain tailwind at a certain point that helps speed up the, uh, the peloton towards the end of the stage there. But obviously, the stage properly started the moment that the peloton reached Jebel Hafid, which is that final climb you just introduced. About the final climb, the thing is, 
the breakaway had like 30 seconds left the moment the climb started. We saw that UAE was taking the front of the peloton. That was in a formation where we had Formula as last man for uh, Pogacar and Mike as second last man for Pogacar. I think Bjerg was in there as well, helping out Polange as third last man. And uh, that was a formation of the UAE train that was controlling the peloton at the first parts of the climb. We quickly saw that a lot of riders started dropping. It was uh, quite a surge at the start. And for example, Lutsenko, a rider that was named as one of the favorites for a bunch of preseason races, was just not there once again. And we've seen it multiple times already. He had COVID, I think, over uh, over the winter. And that probably did have an influence on his preparation for this season. So perhaps Definitely. it's all linked to that. Um, I hope that he can get over it and he can uh, figure out a way to uh, get to a level again that is competable for for race victories because at the moment he's just not there. And yeah, a lot of people had him as an outsider today, but we mentioned it before. We didn't expect it after Chalet Renard. And he confirmed once again today he just looked pretty bad, honestly. He dropped with about 8.5k to go there. And um, I wasn't surprised by that, Benji, because remember, Janus spoke to us, the Astana, no. Um, managing director, and she was like, "Well, when they have COVID, they have to take a long time off from serious training, and that would have, even even if he didn't have particularly bad symptoms, just that break from training just before the recommencement of racing would have affected his preparation." I want to mention one little note that did happen before the climb. There was an intermediate sprint. Galapin and De Gent had taken the first two placements so there was only one second on offer and only one rider that came third could get it Quickstep moved up to take that second murky with almeida on the wheel and pagacha sent uh gavidia to sprint for the second <laughs> whilst pagacha stayed in the bunch it was so it was very smart and gavidia dusted off almeida and then had a wry smile at murku as he went back into the bunch so that was a very funny moment um, but that UAE tempo, Benji, I don't think it was that hot because I just think when they started the climb, people that weren't there on GC just stopped, just were like, well, I'll just do it at my own pace because then the group stayed pretty much the same size for the next few kilometres and then it was Ineos taking over because I think UAE were doing what Ineos had done and TG, T, uh, Jumbo Visma have done. They just ride sort of comfortable tempo because they're in the uh, they're in the box seat. They only have to ride defensively and just take Pogaccio all the way to the line. Ineos and Yates had to do something big today. And, you know, they were in the first three Ks of the climb, all the UAE on the front. I've just read that profile out to everybody. Uh, and it's the third or fourth K that's the steepest one before they get into a, a few Ks of eight and a half percent. So it was really about three and a half Ks in, I think, that Ineos started to ramp up the the pace. First with Brandon Rivera, and that started to drop quite a few people actually uh, going off the back. Maznada gone, Froome gone, uh, as well as others. Like most of the, <laughs> most of the belt on was starting to get uh, dropped. Sosa then pulled not very long at all, which was surprising to me actually. This stage should suit him. It looks exactly the same as Charlie Renard uh, stage he dominated week or so ago, a week and a half ago. So maybe just no good in the wind, maybe all the long flat run, I don't know. But he, he wasn't particularly good for Yates today at all, actually. 
Sosa, and that's a real concern if you're Bernal for the Giro. If he's is he really going to be your last man? And we'll talk about that in a later podcast. But then it was Danny Martinez who did quite a good job actually. First time we've seen him really pulling in the mountains for in Ineos colours. But then I didn't see what happened, Benji. I feel like it it cut away and then it cut back. And what were we? Five k's left on the climb, and really you got three k's to make an impression now if you're Yates group of and, and it cut back to them and it was a group of uh Buchmann, Koos, Pagacha, Yates, uh who else? Florian Stork, uh Han Van Oka, Almeida was still there by the skin of his teeth. And and what what happened? It was just I feel like we missed Martinez pulling off. Yeah, it looked like he had a bit of a a bit of a crazy tempo at the end of his pull most likely. That probably didn't happen on camera for us, but it came back on the screen and we saw that there was no Ineos rider at the front anymore. And Yates was like, okay, I'm not going to take over yet. And it was a bit of a, ooh, who's going to react to that first? And obviously that's the opportunity for the riders that are not up there in GC to say, okay, so the domestiques for the GC riders are gone. This is my moment to try something because if I attack and those GC riders are looking at each other, then I could potentially gain a good 30, 40 seconds. And do what Yates did last year and win the stage. And that's exactly what Kaz was thinking because on the uh, left side on the road, if you are looking at the screen, right side for him, he started with a small attack. But to my surprise, Yates was responding to that attack and obviously that triggered Pogacar to respond to that attack. And they were there with three riders suddenly. Those were the three riders stronger than everybody in the field. And I don't know, I wanted to give that topic to you like... Yates responding to Gus, was it necessary? Is it something that you think he should have done? I, I don't, I don't sure. really I don't really get it. Um, I don't know because it instead of being able focusing on marking Pagacha and trying to set up an attack, he he closed down Koos not once but twice. Two separate attacks. Koos no threat on GC. Yates also behind on GC. He's having to attack Pagacha. He's got kilometers of running out while they're looking at each other. Um, and, yeah, he closed down Koos twice. I didn't understand it. Maybe he was wanting the bonus seconds that he was that Koos might take if Koos won the stage. That seems pretty far-fetched to me. I think that's the sort of thing you'd be worrying about if you've already dropped Pagacha and Koos is going up the road. Um, so, yeah, I think that hindered Yates' ability to attack soon after the Martinez pull. I would have let Koos go. Um, and just tried to attack Pagacha over an, a number of times. but Because uh, that worked last year. The attack, stop, attack, stop eventually worked for Yates last year, and he dropped him. So I think today was not great tactically from him. I think eventually he did attack, or they basically dropped everybody else. He's got Pagacha absolutely glued to his wheel, Kus in their group. And then I think Koos eventually... No, no, this is what happened, Benji. Pagacha, after a small acceleration from Yates, Pagacha started to pull, which makes sense, right? You pull uh, if you're feeling pretty good to just keep the pace reasonably high. You, for each moment that you're pulling and they're sitting on you know, the road the, to the, the line, the space to the finish is diminishing and he's got to make up 40 seconds on you. Yeah. So um, that, that made Almeida sense. Almeida was behind but, as well. And Almeida was behind who... You know, is only five seconds behind Pagacha on GC. So, you know, cross that 
five seconds, eight seconds, intermediate sprints and crosswinds coming up, that could be an issue for Pogaccia, But so he's going to put time into him as well. But then Benji, he flicked Yates, went behind Sepp Kuss, and then Yates attacked off the front of Kuss, who wasn't looking particularly good at that moment. And now Pogaccia looked at, well, not looked, he was waiting for Kuss to close the gap. And now Pogaccia had to close a 10 to 15 metre gap to Yates attacking. Uh, he put himself in a really bad spot there, I think, actually. And he clearly he has to, after he's pulled, go onto Yates' wheel and t- tell Kuss, hey, either attack or give me Yates' wheel right now. So do you think I'm making too big a deal about that? Or do you think that sort of thing is actually uh, a mistake that could have cost him, you know, if GC was closer or he uh, Yates was Roglic or someone super strong today? Yeah, it's a small mistake. He expected Gus to react to that while Gus is in no position to react to that. Gus should not respond to that, perhaps for the stage, because Gus obviously wanted the stage, but Gus also at that point already looked like he wasn't going to uh, take it all because he was the weakest of the three at that point because every time Yates attacked in that group, we saw that Pogacar was the easiest to respond and Gus had a bit of trouble taking that gap down. And like you mentioned, Gus wasn't looking that great when Pogacar was going to sit in Gus's wheel. Perhaps Pogacar expected more from Gus because obviously Gus would also want the stage. But yeah, I think it's a small mistake, but it's nothing endearing. I think it's it's something that he'll realize afterwards, okay, I should not have done that. But yeah, I think Pogacar is a really clever rider nonetheless. Yeah, it didn't really matter in the end. Uh, Yates now with Pogacar on his wheel is pretty much riding tempo. He's moving then also putting time himself into... Almeida moving up from third to second on GC, uh, depending on whatever time gap eventually was. Um, I think, yeah, that did, setting pace there did help him do that. And I think he eventually attacked Pogaccia again, tried to accelerate with about two kilometres remaining, bearing in mind it gets much less steep after that. So the last steeper section of the genuine part of the climb, he tried to attack Pogaccia. They're both in the big ring at this point. Pogaccia, just like we've seen before, he just can accelerate and just sprint out of the saddle indefinitely, infinite sprint out of the saddle to get back to a wheel uh, of Yates. Yates was actually, he's pretty strong, but I think Yates knew Benji. He knew after after the failed attack at 4Ks or so that it wasn't happening today, making up 40 seconds on Pogaccia. So do you think Yates did the right thing, kind of riding it in at a decent pace, trying one last attack, but then kind of accepting his fate? Yeah, I think at a certain point, with like, I, th- I think he saw it mo- mainly in the last two kilometers where he started riding a proper tempo where Pogacar was still not having the best time in his wheel. But it also wasn't real trouble for Pogacar at that point. And I think at that point, Yates knew that, yeah, it's it's a bit over to try and drop Pogacar here. But if I set up a decent tempo, I might still be able to figure out how to win the stage. And in the last kilometer and a half, I think he switched towards trying to win the stage from the initial thought of trying to drop Pogacar. And uh, I think he made a bit of a mistake there because, well, in the last kilometer, they ride into the last kilometer with Yates in first and Pogacar in second. You mentioned uh, when you did the review of the parkour that the last kilometer evens out. And in the last 500 meters, we even go down a tiny bit before we ramp up towards the finish line. And just before the line, there's this very shady corner like 20 meters before the line, 90 degrees left corner. 
180. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, it's even more than 90. They go really? on themselves twice. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I was watching from another angle. It seems to be more than just a 90-degree turn. It's like a left-hand bend and then the 90-degree turn. Um, so if everyone wants to remember, remember the lutsenko Pagacha finish last year where Lutsenko went through this corner first and then opened up the space on the barrier on his right-hand side. So they you, they come into the corner pretty hot, and you've got to be first through this corner and then shut off your gate on the right-hand side. Um, and then it's literally like 30 metres, 40 metres to the line. So as everyone's accelerating out of that corner, it's very hard to get past people um, if you've actually closed the door properly on your right-hand side. Um, so you think Pogaccia, he's... He's obviously familiar with it, Benji, and it's his home race. I'm surprised Yates wouldn't have been familiar with it either, Benji. Um, but, yeah, you, you, we all noticed yeah, Pagacha was laying off Yates' wheel from like 200 out and then accelerated really early, kind of like was it Simon Yates, Benji, against Mulberger and Bill Bow at the Tour de France when he got that stage win where he sprinted for the left-hand corner just before um, – just before the, the finish line and then accelerated out of it. Same thing here, Pagaccio gets to jump on Yates, who tries to jump on his wheel. Um, Pagaccio then takes the corners really, really hot and then is able to kick once one last time out of the last corner um, and shutting the door on his right properly. And there's really nothing Yates could do, Benji. He kind of got mugged. A few, a few, <laughs> um, Joe at ITV messaged me, being like, Pagaccio's mugged. Yates there. Do you reckon that's actually a fair assessment? I reckon it is. Actually, mugged as in he um, – no, I think it's just being clever. You know that that's going to happen if you – No, 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 no. It's not like – it's like, not saying Pag- – it's, it's a British thing. It's not saying Pagacha did anything yeah. wrong. It's saying he did like – he outwitted him. Yeah, that, that's that's certain, yeah. I thought you yeah. meant mugged as in he stole, he stole the victory. No, no, he, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't steal his possessions, no. <laughs> okay yeah i like i agree I, I i think that was a mistake that yates perhaps did obviously it's not an ideal position to be in in first before the corner even happens um because then people can pass you to get fast into the corner and that moment that we you spoke about the moment that pogachar went from being on a bit of a gap to passing yates was the perfect moment to get past yates and I don't know. I felt like Yates reacted a tiny bit late there. I, I think that was like the moment where you can expect that to happen. Obviously, it's easier said than done. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bit difficult. Like, is the reason that they open up a gap that when looking back, it's harder to see them coming? Or what is the logic behind it? So if you're if you're checking over your shoulder uh, maybe every every two seconds, then... When you, you look behind, you'll see that the rider is behind you, laying off. And when you look, maybe then check again, look behind again, that you'll see that they're still behind you, but maybe they've just moved up onto your wheel. But they've actually accelerated hard um, to close that space. So they come actually, when you then turn back and face the front, if you time it ideally, Kwiatkowski does this magically, or has done in the past. If you time it right, as they look back to the front, you're now going past their back wheel because you've been accelerating. Um, now, I don't actually think that happened that perfectly here. I think Yates did kind of see him coming. He just, Pagacha's initial kick was really strong. Uh, but, yeah, the laying off is so that they can actually be going past them with enough acceleration that there's a gap to the wheel, which there was. Yates got no draft trying to get back to Pagacha's wheel initially. He's had to sprint hard, 
now you've got these series of corners you're straight into having a handle like you focus on your handling a lot because they're quite sharp actually to the left and then you got to try a re-kick to come around a bike length and a half out of the last corner and come over him in 40 meters it's not going to happen so really good from Pagaccio obviously knew the the finish really really well which is unsurprising he, he, he seems to know finishes well, Pagacha. Yeah. He seems to know parkour well, study the route. Not sure if it's him. Probably is and his team and staff. Same with Planche de Belfi, et cetera. And it was kind of like that stage, Benji, where Port kicked early, trying to drop Lopez in the tour. Roglic also kicked early behind Kus, I think, and then Pagacha came around them and beat them. And that's, it was like a longer sprint from Pagacha today. Yeah. Uh, at least 150, 200. That's what this reminded me of, and he's in great form, Benji. Um, everyone should be pretty terrified. I think this is the clear <laughs> Tour de France. But he's the clear Tour de France favorite yeah. for me. Um, and one one big uh, – I'll try to read out. I should probably make more note of the second group on the road. Almeida was riding his TT tempo, which he did in the Giro. Wolf. He sort of rides his own pace, conserves his losses. Very smart. Did well. Han van Hooker, who I mentioned yesterday, did well. Uh, but this is the the standings. Igita third. Sorry, Pagacha first. Yates second. Same time. Igita third, winning the bunch sprint from the second group. Bookman fourth. Quite nice from Bookman, actually. Good to see him doing well. Han van Hooker fifth. Almeida sixth. They're at 48 seconds behind Pagacha and Yates. Florian Stork, Benji. Yeah, seventh. crazy. Nelson Palace, the same time. Stork, didn't we? We were like, is he the lead-out guy for Case <laughs> no, I was like, I have no clue what this guy can do. <laughs> he just came like top 10 on, on Jabal feet. I'm, I'm super impressed. Yeah. You guys, 23. <laughs> Obviously, from 97 <laughs> last year. And uh, yeah, he can yeah. clearly climb. What a talent, man. Like, yeah. I expect more from him now. <laughs> Chris Harper, ninth, the Australian. Jeffrey Bouchard, 10th, as you do have Citroën. Coos, after unsuccessfully trying to attack to go for the stage win, dropped back to pace Harper. So I actually think that would have helped a fair bit. Current GC standings, Pagacha first, Yates losing another four seconds in bonus, seconds to him, 43 seconds back. Almeida drops down to third, one minute and three behind Pagacha and 20 seconds behind Yates. Harper stays in fourth. Cataneo loses a lot of time. I think he lost a couple of minutes. Um, I'm, I think Cataneo must have beaten Masnada. Masnada got dropped early today, Benji. Yeah. I was actually very I was surprised by that, actually. Um, maybe Cataneo is climbing better than I expected. Masnada, not as – he didn't climb as well as I expected. One thing I want to talk about, though, Benji, I just mentioned um, – oh, sorry, I'll do the stage, stage four preview for tomorrow. Uh, 204Ks. Almajan Island to Almajan Island, two intermediate sprints, and it's pancake flat. There might be wind, but I don't have the weather tracker up. That's all <laughs> That's all the preview I have. So it's going to be a bunch sprint unless there's wind, in which case quick step need to create echelons to try and drop the gacha because Almeida ain't making that time up on uh, on stage five on Jebel Jais. And maybe Ineos can try the same thing with Yates. But sorry, Benji, the question I had, were you surprised slash concerned by UAE's guys in the mountains helping or not being able to help Pagacha too much. Formalo dropping early. Mike is Micah here? Micah is Mike, here. Yeah, Micah did nothing for him. Um, didn't matter in the end, just like in the tour. But is that a source of concern for you, or um, just something to watch for future races? Well, they started early with the pacing on the climb. Like you said, it wasn't the biggest uh, tempo by UAE. I think we saw. 
um, Polange do a really good job at setting he did up a good base. Job. Then they switched to Micah, and he was quickly gone the second that Brandon Rivera started basing Ineos next to the UAE train. So we had a moment where there were two trains next to each other. Once Rivera was basing there, Micah was getting in trouble, and Micah started dropping. And the second that Sosa and then eventually Martinez started coming to the front, I think when Sosa even started coming to the front already, then Formula was already behind Pogacar, like three positions, four positions, looking really bad. And um, it's not great. It's not great if the comparison between the trains is so significant. But I also think that UE doesn't necessarily need to ride the same way as Ineos is doing to present Pogacar with a stage win. They just need to be there on certain stages. The problem is if they if they obviously have an Ineos train that's pacing like today, then they won't be there in the last five kilometers, it seems, because they were gone the second that Martinez hit the front. And that's not ideal if you want to have support for your leader here. He was basically isolated, Pogacar, from uh, 5.1 to 5.6 kilometers to go. I think in a world where he's on the same time as Yates on GC and Pogacar has teammate help as strong as Ineos, then um, he could have attacked to gain time on Yates. But that's not how the stage played out. I think Pogacar, I think, I don't know, Yates and Pagacha today, Yates might have even been marginally stronger, but even yeah. even if it's only 2% stronger, that's not enough because Pagacha is r- pretty smart, getting on his wheel early. Yeah. And, um, yeah. There's also the factor that this is still a one-week race. Adam Yates is better at one-week race than three-week races. So yes. for, a, for a Grand Tour, we're only seeing Pogacar's form really here because... Even if Adam Yates would have won today with 40 seconds, I wouldn't have written him down as a GC favorite for a Grand Tour, personally. No, no. Um, I mean, you did the same last year. Uh, it's going to be interesting for Ineos going into the Tour. Yates is looking pretty good, but I think Yates has performed as expected at UAE Tour here. Um, he's done it before, done pretty well. I haven't looked at how quick they did the climb out or the numbers or anything like that. And as you, that's exactly right, Benji. Pagacha in the third week of a Grand Tour could probably do the same level as today or just, just below whilst everyone is tired and buckled. We've seen that in Vuelta 2019, Tour de France 2020, and um, that's why he is so good. So, yeah, pretty interesting stage. Didn't completely blow up. No real – I mean, to be honest, Benji, it played out exactly as we expected. <laughs> Suicide breakaway, UAE false tempo, Ineos trying to launch Yates, Yates – Kind of didn't launch and uh, couldn't drop Pagacha and Pagacha sprinted around for the stage, which exactly as it was drawn up. Uh, but it's been a really exciting UAE tour to, uh, so far. Tomorrow it looks like but, a sprint um, stage, but yes, yeah, tomorrow looks like sprint stage. But I do think this kind of specifies my view on the stage after that. I think we're going to talk into that tomorrow. But the likes of Hinkita yes. uh, getting third here that means that he can follow the climbers up Chais and can probably outsprint quite a few of them at the end. So I think this only strengthens my view on Higita for Jabal Yais personally. True, yeah, that's a good shout. And I wish they'd put Jabal Yais today and Jabal yeah. Hafid on stage five, as we mentioned before. Last last um, comment, just quickly, Benji. Chris Froome, he lost five minutes to Bagatcha. It's not disastrous, actually. Like, five minutes with those guys <laughs> launching. Like... Obviously, like it's not, it's not great, but he's 
five minutes and I think he tried pretty much the whole climb. He's not terrible. Oh, well, if you want to win the Tour de France, it's not good. Um, does it change your view of anything or just whatever? You don't care. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's really difficult to, to look at the DOE Tour and define Froome's form. We knew that he yeah. wasn't going to ride for himself, but I also feel like I'm starting to give excuses for Froome because he's not riding at a at a tempo that he even should be as a domestique for Hermans. So, yeah, he ha- he didn't do anything for Hermans today, and he said he was going to. So, I'm saying it's a bad it's a bad take for Froome today. Okay, one to watch. I had to ask Benji because I'd already downloaded the photo of Froome. But thanks to Lacole <laughs> for partnering with the podcast and supporting us. You can check them out at www.lacole. .cc or check them out on Instagram if you want to get notified of their deals and things they got on or in the works as well. But that's all from us. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.